a gun with the Florida Gators. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I was just checking to see if you were listening. From Destroyham, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey. I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. Momentum, excitement, energy. You know, I mean, they say all this stuff, and you know what they mean, but, you, you know, it doesn't describe what you mean. I mean, it's just sort of out there. You got barbecue back there? I was just worried about, you know, listening to, you know, all, all your guys' rap poison. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. Here are your hosts, Sergio and Tyler. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And today, Tyler, just it's another pretty massive episode, my guy. <laughs> A lot of stuff is happening. I mean, I don't feel like it's hyperbole to say that this may be the most, I don't know, the I don't know if the biggest is the right word, but I'm saying the most, yeah, the biggest like silly season that we've had in a long time. Maybe I do ever. think it's the most impactful silly season we've had I, in a long it's, time. It's tough. What's the, I'm trying to use the word because there's certainly been like the most movement I think I've seen. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Just the amount of open jobs this season, and the and the quality and size of these open jobs is really massive. And on Um, top of that, Tyler, we have a playoff to talk about. Oh yeah, that happened too. (laughs) That also happened as well. Um, Who cares? Who cares? (laughs) We have silly season still in full swing. We have the final college football playoff rankings. We have um, the end of our five wide and two point competition. Um, to review, we have no, championship weekend. No, we don't have that. Wait, wait, um, what are you talking about? Um, it's on the rundown. I don't. Have, I shared the rundown with you. You got no. it right. <laughs> you 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 uh, you read the rundown. <laughs> <laughs> I make the rundown, Tyler. <laughs> not me though. Not me though. <laughs> to quote the great day day, not me though. Not me though. <laughs> um, um, we have all of that to talk about, Tyler. I want to ask you: Do you want to start with the playoff, or do you want to start with silly season? I feel like I feel like I want to start with silly season because okay. because the playoff can also lead to a little bit of conference championship talk um, mm-hmm. and it's kind of honestly the playoff the four playoff teams is unrelated to silly season slightly true very like, true the the four uh, more so, only so that I will say one coach in particular I kind of feel bad about because I'm just like oh he did so like historically good job with his team making the playoff this year which means he will not probably get any of these head coaching jobs. <laughs> exactly. And maybe one of the jobs that he wanted from when he was a kid. But alas, let's okay. um, let's do let's do silly season first, Tyler. Um, there are a lot of new hires. There are one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight new hires. And since there are the now since our last episode. And there are now six open jobs available, um, two of three of which are brand new. Um, oh, I'm sorry, five open jobs because I do make the rundown, but I may not check it before we start. Um, five open jobs. Uh, let's start with what I consider to be the biggest program that um, filled a position this week, um, and that's the University of Oklahoma, and I consider it big not only historically but because of recent success. Hmm. Brett Venables, the defensive coordinator from one Clemson Tigers. You know, ever heard of them, those guys? Uh, he has left Clemson and has returned 
to Oklahoma. He was the defensive coordinator there from 1999 to 2011 before he left to go to Clemson and join um, Dabo Sweeney's staff. Tyler, good, good fit. What was your reaction? Okay. What, are you, what are you thinking here? I have so many thoughts about this. Yes. And for what it not only means for Oklahoma, but also for Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um I re- I really like this hire. It's a question to me because we have long said that like Brett Venables has quite literally one of the greatest jobs in college football um, at Clemson. And it was like, this was one of the only programs I could have seen that could take him away from it. Because like mm-hmm. this is, it's like when Kansas State was open and was looking to maybe hire Brett Venables. I was like, that doesn't seem like a good idea to me. Right. Like, for, Brett, for Brett Venables. I'm like, mm-hmm. you're going to get paid more and have more respect to Clemson where you get more talent and you could probably win a ring. And, but Oklahoma is a, is a national championship caliber program um, mm-hmm. at the current moment in time and for most of its history. Um, so, and it's not like Lincoln Riley left because they are bad or something. Right. They're yeah. not looking for a new head coach because they fired anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like this hire. I think I like, I like Brennan Venables. Obviously he's a defensive mind. He's done a great job at Clemson, like a, just an outstanding job at Clemson running defenses that, uh, defend the spread very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to see what he'll be able to do with 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 the recruiting thing because I'm not sure because I don't know how big Brent Venables is as a recruiter. Like, right? Because I know the Clemson recruiting operation is good, but what part of that is Brent Venables and what part mm-hmm. of it isn't? Um, I know he's good at managing the talent he has. So, but it's like let's see how it affects the recruiting. I do like a defensive fit. I mean. The last defensive head coach they had was Bob Stoops. That pretty much worked out. Um, yeah, worked out yeah, pretty well for them. Pretty unanimously worked mm-hmm. out. Um, but I like it. Again, it's one of the only things that can – the only jobs that I think could pull Brent Venables away. And it's a job that he'd been close to already. He'd been – he'd worked at Oklahoma. Yeah. I think a lot of – but a lot of his – like because I, I do see this. Defensive head coach in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, Dave Aranda just won a Big Twelve championship. Exactly. Like- <laughs> but so um, I mean, it doesn't really mean anything. And in some ways, it's very much the zig when everyone else zags that might be necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I did like, and this kind of fits in, is a reason I'm even more. I like this hire more. He did hire uh, Ole Miss offensive coordinator Jeff Levy, which yes. I know Ole Miss is largely Lane Kiffin's offense, but Jeff Levy is a good offensive mind. Mm-hmm. Keep that up tempo uh, offense, that power, that uh, like newer age offense in Oklahoma. I I like this hire. I really do. Me like, too. I, I think it it checks a lot of boxes. I think it fits really well. Um, he's an Oklahoma guy, quote unquote. You know, he was there for a long time. He understands it. And I think what uh, Castiglione here, the athletic director for um, Oklahoma. I think what he did with this hire is send a message that no one person is bigger than the University of Oklahoma's football team. You know, that they're very much Mm -hmm. uh, an organization, a team, an athletic department. No one is bigger than that. So, um, you know, he's out there hiring someone that knows the area, understands it. And like you said, I like the zag when people are zigging of bringing in a defensive coach. We just saw with Dave Aranda, like you said, winning the conference. It works. Um, and I love the Jeff Levy hire. I think that is a fantastic thing. And you know who else loves the Jeff Levy hire, Tyler? One man by the name of Caleb Williams, because that is an offense that this man can thrive in. Okay. Yeah. This man, we've seen his arm, we've seen his accuracy, his ability to move around the outside of the pocket. And I think it's also great for Jeff Levy. Um, he has roots in Oklahoma as well. I believe he um not as isn't an alumnus, but has been there on has been a staffer there before and such. And so he has familiarity with the program. 
Um, and he's leaving from Kiffin, right? So like we talked about um, the the credit to the offense um, probably goes more to Lane Kiffin than it did to to Levy at Ole Miss. Yeah. And that's fine we, because I understand Kiffin's offense and such. But I mean, he's taking that offense and bringing, bringing it over and, and pairing it up with a Venables defense. Imagine a Lane Kiffin offense paired with a Brett Venables defense. To me, that's a recipe for a national championship on the field. We'll see. I mean, and it's it's tough. It's tough to evaluate this hire because while I really like it, and because I like Brett Venables a lot, and I think again, I just I like him getting this shot because I could have lived happily knowing he he probably would have too, having never left Clemson. But this is the job you leave it for. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I'm happy for him, and also, but it's you have to throw out like this is a swear situation. Because I'm going to be honest, I don't think Brett Venables would be better at Oklahoma than Lincoln Riley was. Mm-hmm. He could be, like, but because that's, that's difficult. Because Lincoln to do, Riley, though. I think, is a better individual coach than Brett Venables. But that doesn't. I mean, Ed Orgeron won a national championship. Like, yeah, you're and right. So it doesn't. These things, people want to rank these things like they're video games or write them into formulas. Like this should mean this, which means this. Like, mm-hmm. but there's a very human element to this game, and there's a very chaotic element to this game where, like. Yeah, not always the best coach football wise wins the national championship. Right. And so you should, I don't think we should judge this hire based off is it going to be, is Oklahoma going to be better now? Cause like, mm-hmm. honestly, they were already really good. It'd be hard for them to be better. They might mm-hmm. be, but yeah. like, that's not what you should judge this hire off. This is a matter of you had to hire a coach last minute that you didn't think you were going to have to. Right. I think you did a really good job. This is the most stabling the ship hire. Pay, also paired with the offensive coordinator hire I that mean, they could have made. I would have hired Lane Kiffin, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> but, I, that's but that's more the thing. For, that's more for jokes than for actual – like that's more for De La For the content? Jokes. That's for the, comp- for the content? Just, I just want Lane Kiffin to continue to run in your family, not mine, so, yours. So he goes from FAU to Oklahoma. Are you then implying that Billy Napier won't work out and he'll make his way over to Florida <laughs> so he can hit the trifecta? Is that what you're doing? Is that what you're talking about? That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, because scare money don't make money, and that's why. Um, no, but I, I agree with you. I like the hire. I like all of it. I do have a question, though. What does this mean for Clemson? But that's what I wanted to talk about. Be- because we saw the downtick in offense this season. We saw a defense that was just as good as it was before, proving Brett Venables wasn't the problem over there in Clemson this past season. I mean, they ended up going nine and three. It's not like they had that was a the, horrible. There were they have a chance to have ten wins, and it's their down year. Exactly. So I think the program as a whole is still in pretty good shape. But Dabo has been known for being able to keep guys in Clemson. Not many people leave Clemson to go take other jobs, whether it be at a coordinator level or a head coaching level. Very few people have done that before. Um, what does this mean for Clemson? What does Dabo do? How, how, this what's, is, what's the outlook now? This is short of all of the tests that Dabo's already passed. This is the next great test that Dabo's when he has. He has to make a really important hire here. Mm-hmm. Again, it doesn't have to be Splash. I don't even need to know the guy's name. But right. it has to be the right hire. Because, I mean, previously um, – Jeff, I think it was Jeff Smith, I think was his name, was mm-hmm. one of the co-offensive coordinators that left. And that's and then they also lost Trevor Lawrence. So like yeah. kind of the offense took a downtick this year. But they promoted from within. And I still think that um it was one of those things where, like they had an offense that worked well because they had stellar quarterbacks. And now they just have an okay quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um they're still winning almost 10 games a year. So we'll see. And that was a promotion from within. Yeah. 
I don't know if the guy is there on staff to be promoted from within, but like Dabo Swinney, a bastion of your entire time at Clemson is the fact that you've always had Brett Venables there to coordinate mm-hmm. one of the best defenses in the country. That has been a large part. I mean, we all look at Clemson for the offense, but that has been a humongous part of their success is how good they are on defense. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, this might be the mo- one of the most important hires of Davis when he's career. I mean, it is one of the most important hires. Of I, think it I think it, it is. I think it is the most important the hire. Most important hire. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you could argue that was hiring Brett Venables in the first place. But like, True, very true. But Dabo Sweeney does something that we're in the age now where uh, with most coaches and like I expect this to be a problem with Billy Napier if he's successful. It is a problem with uh, Nick Saban that has mastered it. It's kind of a problem with Kirby Smart. Like, And all good coaches have this. You assemble good coaching staffs and good talent. And just like how you have to replace players, if you're really good, those that coaching staff will leave and you have yes. to replace them. Most coaches will go through this if they hire good people Every two, three years. Mm-hmm. Dabo Swinney is unique in that he did. He made all the right hires and kept them for like seven straight years. Yeah. Right. Like, and now he's now he's having to operate in the world that everyone else operates at. That his whole thing was that he was so good at not even needing to. He didn't ever need to walk through that door. And that was what made him special. Right. Like that Clemson run special. Now he has to. And we're going to see how good he is as compared to everybody else with making hires. Yeah, because I agree. It's not something he has to do regularly, which, I mean, good for him. But mm-hmm. um, we're going to see. I mean, we're going to see. I'm, I'm interested to see who gets that job. I'm interested to see how they do next season and, and in the end the year after that. But um, is, so Dabo you're saying- Swinney, is Dabo Swinney more Nick Saban than he is Ed Orgeron? Because Ed Orgeron had to replace people and it did not work Ooh, out. It, no, it did not work out well um, for him. So that, Nick, but Nick that's Saban a great that's a year. great barometer. Are you are you a Nick Saban or are you a Coach O? You know where yeah, do you fall on national that line? Championships. Yeah, but, no, you're right. You're you're yeah. right. So I mean, I think the structure at Clemson is really good. Mm-hmm. So people are going to want to come coach there. So he's going to have a lot of good candidates. So we're just yeah. we're going to see. Agreed. Agreed. Um, all right. Next up, we have Notre Dame promoting from within. Marcus Freeman, the defensive coordinator, has been elevated to head coach. Um, he is the second ever. Uh, black head coach at Notre Dame. Um, that, applause for that. Applause for that. That is very well deserved and, and good for him. Um, I saw his introductory press conference, Tyler, and I'm actually very I'm I'm angry at the fact that Notre Dame has hired a man that is going to make me actually care about Notre Dame in a this good way. This is the worst thing that could happen to you. This <laughs> is the best thing that could have happened to Notre Dame and the absolute worst thing that could have happened for the Sergio hates Notre Dame bit. Like that it's the worst. This bit just took a huge I really hit. like Marcus Freeman. I do too and I, I hate, hate that I like him so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's also I got to say I loved this hire. I thought mm-hmm. it was smart. Although because it was funny because I was very much like just, you know, hire Luke Fickle. And I'm right. like, Marcus Freeman knows how to work under Luke Fickle. But I'm like, mm-hmm. then again, somebody's probably going to hire Marcus Freeman in two years. So you might as well just get on it. <laughs> um, yeah. No. And and do you, do you remember last summer when Brian Kelly um, said, basically let it slip in a press conference where he was like, yeah, Marcus Freeman's like the coach in waiting. And he had to walk it back because they were like, whoa, 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 whoa don't, 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 don't say you that. Can't just, just say yeah. that. Yeah, you can't just say that. Like, even if he, even if he is like, you can't just, you can't blast it out loud. Turns um, out he was right. Turns out he was right. But, and I love the fact that, um, the players love him. The, the players yeah. really wanted him. And this was one of the one of the moments where Notre so Notre Dame <laughs> Sorry, Joe, be nice. Notre Dame. I'm not telling you to be nice. No, you no, no. I'm telling myself. Want. I'm like, telling myself to be nice. Like, Notre Dame is unique because 
by their privilege, don't have to go through certain obstacles, right? They don't have to go through certain sure. situations that other schools have to, right? Whether it be a conference schedule um, or other, other things. But one thing that they do have to go through is that like academic rigorous. I mean, they impose this upon themselves. Like they could easily say we're going to let, you know, less qualified academic athletes yeah, in, I mean, but they don't, which credit to them. I guess that's what they want to do. That's fine. I mean, it costs you Brian Kelly, but that's that's fine. I mean, but is that it, right? Right, right. Brian Kelly's a good coach. I just want to. Mm-hmm, right, right. No, no, he is, I, he is. I have thought about that after you've done this. Okay, okay. Um, but I think one of the things that they had to do here is they had to balance, okay, do we give in to the voice of the player, right? For the longest time, Notre Dame has been a program where it's been the program above the player. Nothing is bigger than. You know, nothing is bigger than the shield. They made a movie about about it, and that was the main conflict. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. And so this was the first time that I really can remember Notre Dame actually saying, you know what, we're actually going to listen to the players here. Not just because they thought it was the right thing to do, but because they realized that they could have an in and they can have an outward of current players that didn't want to be there because they didn't give um, they didn't give the coach that they wanted the chance. Recruits were very open in saying, because Marcus Freeman is a fantastic recruiter. Recruits are very open in saying, yeah, if you guys keep them, I'll, I'll stay committed if Freeman gets a job. But if not, then I'll reopen my commitment and, and see elsewhere. So this was the first time Which that they really – You should never make a coaching hire off of a, agreed. a, a recruit. Agreed. However, it is it is indicative of the fact that – like, but I don't think they're making that off of one recruit. It's just like right. that is a thing about Marcus Freeman. Like you I have think, somebody who could be your head coach mm-hmm. who is already such a plus to your program there – you don't mm-hmm. have to start from scratch. Like. Exactly. And and not just starting from scratch, but they're realizing in today's college football landscape, we can't just be the authoritarian program because it's not going to work. And I like that they did that. And I also think they valued consistency because not only are they keeping Marcus Freeman, the defensive scheme stays the same. I mean, he's the head coach. The offensive scheme stays the same. Tommy Reese. Because Tommy Reese stayed. He stayed. He's former Notre Dame quarterback. Um, he's the offensive coordinator and he stayed. And I think that that kind of consistency is fantastic for Notre Dame and Tyler, I'm done saying nice things about Notre Dame. So I'm going to pass it off to you to say the point you wanted about Brian Kelly. It was more so that like, I just think it's very telling. I think I said Mm -hmm. this last week, but I'm going to say it again. It's very telling to me that pretty much the entire Notre Dame staff, I mean, minus a couple people here and there, Mm -hmm. Pretty much most of them are staying when their head yeah. coach left to take on LSU, which many would consider a better job, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting to me. It's everyone, um, and just for, for transparency's sake, it's everyone except for the strength and conditioning coach and the special teams coach, whose names are escaping me at the moment, but I know for a fact. Yeah, I know it was like two coaches, but everybody yeah, else decided. Those are the guys that went down to Baton Rouge with, with Brian Kelly. So, yeah, yeah. So, all right, that's Marcus Freeman. Yeah, and then there was a hire made down here in South Florida, Tyler. Oh yeah, boy, was there a hire made in South Florida, Mario Cristobal, one of Cuban descent, one of um, my South Florida born, bred, and raised, has taken the University of Miami head football coach position, has left Oregon um, after losing in the Pac-12 title game, which we'll talk about later on. But I just wanted to mention that that that's what happened, um, and. It was one of the – we're going to be talking about this coaching – I don't even want to call it a search because it wasn't a search. This uh, this coaching coup um, for years to come, Tyler. What do you think of A, the hire of Mario to Miami, and then B, we'll talk about how it happened and all that stuff. Um, the hire. This is the best possible hire the University of Miami could have made. 
absolutely um, agree. Absolutely 100%. the best possible hire. I didn't even think they'd pull it off because the only thing that Mario that they really had going for Mario Cristobal was that he went to school there. Like, <laughs> hey, your mom lives down here. That, that is it. the all, honest to God that it to me was the only thing that put it over Oregon. Like, because you can't ever, you can't ever. It's hard to quantify how much mm-hmm. that can mean to a person because yeah. it can mean not that much and it can mean a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Because I was just like, oh, Oregon. Now that Lincoln Rally's there, it's the the prospects changed. But mm-hmm. I mean, Oregon is set up to be the big dog of the of the, of the you know out of the whole West Coast out here where I'm at. Like, and he's got a head start on the recruiting that Lincoln Riley's going to have to do. So it's just like. There's no reason necessarily to leave Oregon for mm-hmm. a worse team, which would be Miami in a private right. institution in an easier conference, but a harder area of the country. Um, but I mean, props to Miami for making it happen mm-hmm. because, like, again, best hire you could have made. He's going to do wonders in the recruiting. I still, and this, I, this things I had when I wanted him for, for a Florida head coaching job, he was not number one on my list, but like, mm-hmm. um, there are some questions about his in-game coaching. Yeah. Questions that have been exacerbated in the last about four weeks. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I think if you're Miami, you'll take that. Yeah. Miami would take – it's the thing. Miami would take Oregon season if they could. So that's the thing where there's a lot of talk of, oh, yeah, but, like, how good is Miami really going to be? Well, they're going to be significantly better than where they are and where they have been for the past 15 years. Um, I think it's important to note that there were, like you said, I didn't think this would happen, but I guess the the pull of being an alumnus of the university, a former Miami Hurricane player who won two national titles as a player with the university, a former coach at the university, because remember he was an assistant um, under Randy Shannon, I believe. Um, and on top of that, and this is not speculation, I don't want to specify or anything, this has been reported, this has been talked about, um, I don't want to seem like I'm we're being insensitive, but... His mother is sick. He she, he yeah. came down to South Florida in November in the middle of a football season to visit his mother. Like that, she's she's here, and so yeah. there's a certain pull of. I know if it was if I was it in his situation, not, I mean, like I I if I my mom was sick, I'd move. Yeah, absolutely, like, absolutely. I care yeah. about her. I care about my family like enough of like that. And again, exactly, it's just that's where I'm coming from. So I. Right. And like, then hold on, can you pair yeah. that with. This is quite literally his dream job. He went to Columbus High School. He went to the University of Miami, won national titles as a player, and is now coming back to coach. Like, there's a lot of pull there. And people are saying, oh, yeah, well, maybe it's different. Why would he leave a better program at the moment? Oregon's better program at the moment. Well, there's also another aspect to this, and it is a whole lot of money. Miami has had an influx of cash over the past six weeks that you would think it was the 1980s in South Florida. And I'll leave it at that because I'm Colombian and don't want to be alleged. terrible. I don't want to be alleged because I am Colombian and I don't want that to come through. I'm not going to – I don't want to talk about it. Um, But uh, but I will say mm -hmm. Mario Cristobal answered a question in fluent Spanish at the press conference. Brian Kelly is fuming. (laughs) He talked about his family. um, (laughs) No, but but, but like seriously, there's been a lot of money – um, because the complaint before, and you'll remember, there was a game day um, segment back in September, or, or no, or it was after the Michigan State loss, the week after that, whenever that was, October, where Kirk Herbstreet said and reported that, or echoed a report from the Miami Herald saying that, like, yeah, like there's no support from administration for Miami football, and that kind of like just sparked 
a whole thing. And people came out of the woodwork. Tyler, it was $8 million um, to buy out Manny Diaz. It was $9 million to buy out. It was $9 million to Oregon to buy out Mario Cristobal. And it was another $8 million in annual salary. Um, so for this one season, it, it, exactly. It's $25 million just to make the move, just to make the move. So there's now money, and apparently they're going to be investing it in infrastructure, in practice facilities, and stuff like that. There's rumors that one of the boosters wants to build a 50,000-seat stadium um, on, on campus and wants to do it at a, oh. a Coral Gables High School, wants to take their high school football field and turn it into a football stadium for Miami. Yeah, that's that's the level of – yes, Tyler's giving me a look, ladies and gentlemen, right now. Is it <laughs> a, I don't know. But, you know, and the guys that have, are financing the money are – classmates of mario from columbus Aww. from back in the 80s so like that's the thing where there's this i don't care what you think that's kind of cool and no it's it is it's cool these guys are billionaires and they went to high school with mario cristobal and, and they're the ones that are kind of financing bringing him back so there's a lot of things that kind of had to happen for this to happen but it ended up happening and that's that's the, the, the crazy part and i think miami's better off as a football program for that the big thing is that mario cristobal is one of the best recruiters in the country as well and like if that, not me best. honestly i think that's part of what miami needs mm -hmm. um because yeah they get a lot of players but like all and this is a this is a problem with all three florida schools right now mm -hmm. um which i think you'll we've seen with hiring billy Napier and hiring mario cristobal two of the florida schools have openly addressed is that there's a there's so much talent in the state of florida yeah like so if you are not you can have an, a subpar recruiting class compared to your own expectations you're still pulling in amazing athletes mm -hmm. um the average athlete in florida is not the same as most other states however all of the big dogs they ain't go, they go to like alabama they go to they go to georgia mm -hmm. yeah the big the big big ones they get pulled to clemson they get pulled like okay some of them go to oklahoma it's like things like and then you'll you'll land a couple of them, but it's thing is like with Billy Napier and Murray Cristobal, it's the hope for these two schools, and I think we'll and we know for certain what I think will happen with Mario Cristobal mm -hmm. is you're going to start those big dogs might start coming back down to to Florida or to, yeah. to Miami, like, which is which is good for football in the state of Florida, I, regardless of I agree. which of the and I'm going to start calling it a big four, Tyler. I really am going to start calling it a big four. Can, Regardless, can you just give me two more years, all right? Like they ain't in a power <laughs> conference yet. Like, you just, well, I, but you know what? The, the players they're recruiting now will play in a power conference. Hey, the so G5 we, can make a can make the playoff now. So like, <laughs> all right, Kirk Herbstreit. Okay, got no, I don't, I, no, I, I'm not on the side of Kirk Herbstreit. I'm just being facetious. I know, I know. But, but those those Florida schools, it's good for football in this state. It's good for the rivalries. It's good yeah. for the programs, and it's hey, good for we're the state of Mario Cristobal. Melzon recruiting battle, <laughs> and then Billy Napier comes in in his slow, meticulous. Never mind, I'm not going to go there. Um, no, okay, we're making up stuff at this point. We are. We are. <laughs> I do want to before we move on, Tyler. I do want to talk about quickly how Miami handled this situation because uh, we know that this kind of stuff happens behind closed doors. I think what I'm so oh, shocked about not not at Miami, which is a private institution. Like, well, oh. right. Here's the thing. I'm shocked at how public this situation was. For those who are unaware, Miami is currently without an athletic director in place. They fired their athletic director, and it was rumored that Mar that uh, Manny was next. Right? They have then went with their board of trustees and people making decisions, and it was basically too many cooks in the kitchen. 
Too many people thought that they had final say. Half of them wanted to get rid of Manny. Half of them didn't want to get rid of Manny. Um, and the half that did wanted Mario specifically. So there were just a whole bunch of things that were going through. Everything gets public. And we get to a point, Tyler, where this past Sunday, there are reports from credible college football reporters, multiple college football reporters, saying that an offer is on the table for Mario Cristobal, and he has until Monday to accept it. Meanwhile, Manny Diaz is still employed as the coach of the Hurricanes. It's still not that he was recruiting for them. Yeah, it's not that he was fired and then they're working on a coaching search. No, no, no. They were basically trying to have their cake and eat it too. They said, listen, we want Mario, but if we can't get Mario, we know that Manny is the next best thing according to what's on the market. So we're just not going to fire him and then we're going to wait until that happens. And then obviously everything happens. It comes through. Mario gets the job. They fire Manny. But just the way that everything happened, it was so very public and so very like I tweet, I quote, I quote tweeted the Manny Diaz um, basically post saying goodbye on Twitter, and I said it. I mean, they did Manny dirty, and I don't no, think they, they did Manny dirty by going out and finding Mario and then firing him. They did Manny dirty by letting it go public. That's it's, the issue yeah, I have. It's that it's that this is obscure reference. It's like that Parks and Rec scene where uh, there he's openly talking. Jason Manzuka's character is openly talking about hiring Ben. But like in mm-hmm. front of the guy he would fire. <laughs> I'm like, why would you do that? Like, look, I mean, yeah. that's the thing. I don't know anything about Manny Diaz as a person. Uh, mm-hmm. Manny Diaz to me has not been that great of a coach in Miami. But he does not. He did not deserve this. No. Um, it comes from a lot of people's thing, and it comes, I think, from a, an inflated. I got to be honest. There's nothing I wanted more than this to blow up in Miami's face. Like I, I, oh, I yeah. Like me, as a Gator fan, like of course that's what you no, want to see. What I wanted, what I wanted to happen, ju- if just so that a bunch of rich people who think they can get whatever they want realize they can't. Right. Was for Mario Cristobal to be like, no, nah, I'm going to stay at Oregon, um, mm-hmm. and then Manny Diaz be like, no, nah, well, screw this. I've been disrespected. I'm going somewhere else, and then right. then have to go through a coaching hire, but now out of their top two candidates, like. Mm-hmm. Just because what you do matters and how you treat people matters, um, and I hope that it people take this as a lesson. Um, not, not nothing against the program necessarily, but against those boosters who can think they right. can do these things. Amanda yeah. Diaz said it openly. He's just like in, in his goodbye letter. I'm very disappointed. Like, mm-hmm. and and I I believe well, it. And I, feel I, bad I for thought him. that was a tame way to say it. Like, yep, it was. It was a tame way to say. It, and I think. I think none of this would have happened if they had an athletic director who was the one singular voice orchestrating everything. Yeah. This is very much a microcosm of what happens in South Florida. Um, you know, with, I I love where I'm from. I love the area I grew up in. I love Broward. I love Miami Dade. I love Palm Y'all Beach. You can't get but, out of your own way. But no, but sometimes we just can't get out of our own way. It's very true. Very well said. I mean, like – Listen, man, I feel bad, but I also at the same time, it's kind of one of those like maybe what goes around comes around situations because I did see a quote tweet from a Temple player who said because uh, I guess he used the phrase like <laughs> real hum- real people or like human beings <laughs> in, in his goodbye letter. And he was like, yeah, well, those like human beings that you signed um, on early signing day and then left two weeks later. Yeah, they were also human beings. I was like, Ooh, OK, Ooh, shots fired. Point, I see you. Point, I see you. If you forget, um, when, my, when Manny Diaz was hired, he was hired towards the end of December and it was um, he was hired as a temple coach had his press conference and then two and a half, three weeks later left to go back to Miami. <laughs> yeah, so, well, he did. He basically 
It was the Marcus Freeman situation, except for they timed it terribly. Exactly. Because exactly. nobody knew that Mark Rick was going to retire. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. So, yeah, just just a context on the Miami situation. But I still think it's a good hire. I still think it was the right decision. I just wish that – because this kind of stuff happens all the time behind closed doors, okay? They're not going to – this happens, okay? Like you, you're naive no, to think I mean, that Florida that, didn't at least put out feelers to Billy Napier before they got rid of Mullen. Well, like you know ten, I mean? Oh, yeah, 10 times out of 10 – well, this thing, 10 times out of 10, you fire Manny Diaz and you hire Mario Cristobal. I don't, I'm hmm. defending that till I Correct. Die. Um, right. But it's, there are ways that you handle things. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. This is just not the way. I mean, like, it's a business where you can get fired at any moment, but like, there's no, I don't know. It matters how you treat people. And yeah, I agree. I agree. But hey, look, man, the, no the man has a nice disrespect, disrespect the, people. The man has a nice eight million dollars in the buyout. I respect him Poor having guy. enough enough <laughs> uh enough sense to to not quit out of because a, a, a better man, a bigger man, I should say, would have quit um to save his pride. Manny Diaz very, very in tune with the philosophy that we have, which is that the best job on earth is a fired college football coach. So my guy got best the job bag. Ever. Best um, job ever. Uh, Tyler, there's a few more jobs that opened up um, or that were filled. Louisiana promoted Michael Desermo, and it's I, I hesitated it's because it's very Louisiana spelling. Did you see what he said in the press conference? I did. So it's the only thing I know about this guy, and I think it was a great fit. Um, he, he said, said I'm in the press conference, this brief. Ahead. I'm gonna keep this brief. They got jambalaya and beer back there. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of mad. Uh, Billy Napier. I'm kind of mad Billy Napier didn't bring him over now. Like, I don't care what he does, but put that man on staff. I love that. <laughs> so he gets promoted within. Good for him. Um, Colorado State hired Jay Norvell. They had fired um, – who's the guy – who's the bad coach that was from Boston uh, College? Steve Dazio. thank you. They oh, fired Steve Dazio. You, you mean future uh, Jacksonville Jaguars offensive coordinator against my will? Yes, yes that's, that guy. That's who I mean. That's exactly who I mean because – never mind. We're not going to go there today. for the audience. I know you can't see it, but <laughs> – we're not going to go there. Um, they hired Nevada head coach Jay Norvell in a rare conference to like G5 to G5 program move, but within the same yeah. conference. I don't – I'm confused about this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, OK. So I heard – I was listening to Split Zone Duo. I mean it's always money, but – Always, right. I was listening to Split Zone Duo, a uh, great podcast. You should listen to it. Subscribe. And they were saying that – it's because the trajectory of the programs where apparently Nevada's like administration isn't really like concerned about football. It's one of the rare situations where an athletic program is more concerned about basketball than they are football. And so yeah. he wanted to go somewhere where the primary athlete or a primary sport that they focused on was football. And Colorado State has shown that they at least are interested Colorado in being State a top tier G5. Colorado State is one of the more recent G5s. They, they have invested a lot in their football program. Yes. Uh, or at least yes. the potential of it. So Right. And also I've I've heard it's it's uh not bad to live in the in the the Too Denver bad. area. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's you know so so tough. Yeah, right. Fort um, Collins over there. Um, Fresno State hires Jeff Tedford. If you remember, Jeff Tedford resigned for medical issues earlier uh, a few years ago, and apparently those health issues have been resolved. I don't know if this is an Urban Meyer situation or if, thankfully, you know, he you has. said it. I not speculate. Me. I don't want to speculate. I won't I'm just speak saying, that man's name. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, but I'm not saying. But I. But I am just saying. Um, so he comes back. So they're basically going to come back on track. He had a few ten win seasons in his time there, so he knows the area. Can recruit. It's good hire, in my opinion. Um, Akron hired Joe Moorhead, formerly of Mississippi State, really? and most and most recently, uh, the offensive coordinator at Oregon. Um, I'm disappointed with who? 
with Joe Moorhead. Why just point at Joe Moorhead? Why would he take this job? <laughs> because it's a head coaching job in the MAC. They're better you know ones. <laughs> okay, but uh, he he'll be an offensive coordinator for one more year, man. Like, <sighs> I think he can use this job to kind of parlay his way up to a bigger, can he like a bigger. I think Akron's so. the worst MAC job in a in a conference where they're all the same. Well, you said it right there. The second half, they're all really the same. Tyler, yes, let's be Akron's real. Special kind of terrible. Like, are they um, though? But are they? I don't know if that has something to do with. I don't know if that was a Terry Bowden thing or that was just they are that way. Well, ter- okay, but Terry Bowden actually was had relative success there. That's good. Okay. He won like seven, eight games for a few years. So um, my point is, there. my mm-hmm. well, my point was, I thought that. I mean, I I just thought it like one more season being an offensive coordinator, he probably could have okay. um, parlayed that into like a, a little that. bit of a better head coach. Which mm-hmm. he might do now. Maybe he doesn't really. Well, maybe he goes the Jim McElwain route. Maybe he just wants to go back to being like kind of a G five head coach because it's that's fine. It's a different job than being yeah. a Power five head coach. I, he is also from that like area, that Ohio that's Valley, cool. Pitts, Pittsburgh. I know Pittsburgh's on the Ohio Valley. Don't hate me, people. Um, but you know that like that section of of the country. So maybe he just wanted to go back there too. Um, and then Troy hired John Summerall, um, decent hire there. There are now five open jobs, Tyler, um, Oregon, Virginia, because Bronco Mendenhall um, decided to step down, saying that for personal reasons, he's going to coach in the bowl game, um, but he will be stepping down. So we wish him nothing but the best. Um, so it is now Oregon, Virginia, Temple, Nevada, and FIU. If any of those jobs hire someone within the week, you will hear us talking about it right here on Silly Season. Um, whether it be a little bit um, like the smaller tier jobs or whether it be a lot like the Brett Venables hire, like we talked about today in Oklahoma. Super quick. Yes. Who do you who you think is uh, in consideration for the Oregon job? OK, so there's rumors that it's Chip Kelly, and I don't think that happens because Chip Kelly, what he didn't like was the recruiting and i think LOL, one no that's not happening <laughs> no right it's not happening i think they should go after would mullen work there and i'm not being i'm not joking i don't know i think i mean mullen would work in the sense of i think he can coordinate offense and be a good football coach but again it's oregon mm-hmm and Mullen is more of a Mississippi State type recruiter than right. he is a powerhouse recruiter. Because I think the two people they should be considering, and I don't think they're going to go either direction, but this is just because of the two big names, is um, Luke Fickle, mm-hmm. which is not his area, but he's the big head coach. Right. And two, Lane Kiffin. But I don't think that Oregon fans could handle the Lane Kiffin trolling. I don't. It's it's not necessarily that they wouldn't handle. I just don't think either of those coaches would leave where they are currently for Oregon. And I'm not saying Oregon's better program than Cincinnati. I'm not saying Cincinnati is a better program than Oregon or Ole Miss is better than Oregon. I think Oregon is better than both of those programs. But I think that Luke Fickle is perfectly fine staying at Cincinnati, riding them into the Big Twelve until a job <clears throat> Ohio State opens up that he is interested in. And I think Lane Kiffin is perfectly fine winning eight to nine games, eight to 10 games at Ole Miss, the way he's doing and waiting, you know, for some other type of job that he really wants Alabama to open up to then, you know, move over in that direction. So I'm not saying it's the smart decision on their ends. I'm just saying, I don't think they would go after it. And if I'm Oregon, I'll go after Luke fickle. I'm not touching Lane Kiffin. (laughs) Just just because of all the stuff that comes with like I mean, you, you don't need a search firm. You don't need a search firm. 
you would again, go with Luke Fickle. Again, I just said, I don't know about Dan Mullen because the recruiting thing, and I am mm-hmm. the person who's like, I love Lane Kiffin, but he's a younger, more hip Dan Mullen. Yeah. Um, I get it. I get it. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, also, uh, quick news. I just got quick a text news. with a picture from an article that says, Corey Raymond, uh, former LSU, well, the current LSU cornerbacks coach and recruiting coordinator for LSU, mm-hmm. is reportedly headed to Florida to join Billy Napier's staff. Day Day just texted me this, by the way. Really? Uh, this is a report. It's not confirmed. Oh, okay. So, I, I also have is- the same screenshot in a group chat, but I actually can't because we don't because we don't want the explicit tab. I actually can't say what Day Day <laughs> actually said. He just sent me heart eyes emojis. So, I'm- so all right, I'm texting you right now a direct quote of what he said next to the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, just I literally. <laughs> yep, I copy pasted Tyler. I didn't. Okay, it's just that underneath the screenshot. Now, That's according it. to Shay Dixon, who covers recruiting in the LSU beat for twenty four seven Sports, it's more it's uh, confirmed. It's Corey Raymond is accepting a job at Florida as the assistant head coach of the defense plus cornerbacks coach. Mm-hmm. He had been the longest tenured member of the LSU staff. Yeah, no, he can crew. This He's is like, good. This is this is this is great. The, Billy Napier read everyone freaking out about the people decommitting, and he said, "Oh, oh, word, bet, bet." Uh- bet. <laughs> and that's all we'll talk about the recruiting for Florida because we're not going to do that today. Uh, that is great news, um, Day Day. If you're listening to this, like, I wish I could say what you texted us on the podcast, but I can't, I can't say it it's, for legal it's, reasons. Is, I cannot do that. For, I, I can't even. We bleep out things, but I don't even want to. No, I'm that. not doing like, that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's silly season. Uh, Tyler, let's go into the college football playoff rankings. Okay, here are the final rankings. I'm going to read them off. Uh, I have all 25 on here with their records and conference champions. Number one, we have the Alabama Crimson Tide at 12 and one. They are the SEC champions. Uh, more on that later on. <laughs> hey, hey. hey. I've never right. been more glad to be wrong in my life. <laughs> I know, right? Number two, we have the Michigan Wolverines. They are also 12-1. and one. They are the Big Ten champions. Congratulations on a fantastic season. And congratulations on Harbaugh for literally just shutting everyone up this year. Take a bow, my friend. Take a bow. Yeah. At number three, we have the Georgia Bulldogs. They are 12-1, and one, and they are the at-large selection. They are not a conference champion. Huh, wonder why. Interesting. Uh, and at number four, we have the Cincinnati Bearcats at 13. And, there, clap it up. Applausos. First Applausos. G5 team. That's right, baby. It only took seven years. Um, Cincinnati, 13-0. They are the American champion. Um, and then to give you just the five and six, and then we'll go on after talking about them. Notre Dame came in at number five, 11 and one, and Ohio State came in at six at 10 and two. Uh, Tyler, instant playoff reaction. What do you have? Uh, so happy Cincinnati made it, although it was like it, they were so close to being left out despite how much of a great season they had. Mm-hmm. Um, they were literally, quite literally half a yard away from yeah, being left no, out. No, that Luke Fickle needs to send Mike Gundy. Or more accurately, Dave no, Aranda. Dave Aranda. <laughs> <laughs> or actually, more accurately, Spencer Sanders. There you go. <laughs> a gift basket. Um, uh-huh. My immediate reactions. Um, I'm really disappointed that because I really wanted to see a Cincinnati-Georgia semifinal. I didn't know how we were going to get it, but I wanted that super mm-hmm. bad, which we're not going to get, which is fine. I think um, it's very interesting because I, 
Alabama being one was a little surprising to me. Like, I get why. I just would have thought with how dominant Michigan was and where Alabama was earlier that Michigan would go to one, Alabama would go to two, um, Cincinnati would be three, or or Georgia would be three. I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. I know that the playoff likes to try to avoid um, rematches for some reason. Right. Um, which, you know, as fans of a school that won their first national championship because of a rematch – could not relate, um, but <laughs> but um, you left out the part that it was against FSU. But go off, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Mm-hmm. We uh, beat FSU uh, mm-hmm. by like thirty points. Um, but sorry, thirty-two to be exact. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, um, mm-hmm. so it looks like it's going to be Alabama versus is Alabama versus Cincinnati, and then um, Michigan versus Georgia. Yes, I feel bad for Cincinnati because I feel like they have a really good shot to beat. Um, I mean, they're a really good team. They have a shot to beat any of these teams. I feel like they match up better with Georgia and Michigan I than agree. with Alabama because I know I love Cincinnati's. You know, I love their secondary. I really do. Mm-hmm. It's going to be real tough to cover those Alabama receivers. It, However, it Alabama, is. Alabama played their best game of the season in the SEC championship. Well, let's let's be clear. Like the Bama in the SEC championship, which let's just talk about the SEC championship game right now. Let's let's talk about let's it as we it. go. Let's just talk about it. Screw it. So, we're going to we're going to intertwine five wide and two points. Um cuz I also thought about Michigan and Georgia, which I think I agree, which thing. I agree. Um so we're just going to go into it now. Uh the SEC championship game was Georgia and Alabama that ended Alabama 41, Georgia 24. Um Tyler picked Georgia, I picked Alabama, so I get the point on that one. Uh, but but I agree with you, Tyler. I think that um, Alabama actually played their best game of the season in that game. And it came as a surprise because we all thought that it was going to be a tougher game. Alabama was an underdog for the first time since playing Florida in the 08 championship game, like Ooh. SEC championship game. Like, whoo, it's a long time ago, dude. First time being an underdog. But I think I, I think, yeah, I think that Cincinnati as agree with you as much as I love those defensive backs. They are fantastic. All were in single digits looking chef's kiss fire um i think that it's going to be difficult for them to cover these bama wide receivers even though john michi um did unfortunately suffer a torn acl in the sc championship game so he's he's done for the playoffs he'll be back next season um yeah man i think it's going to be tough for them um and bryce young heisman finalist i I think he's he he has proven to me that while i don't think he's I don't think he's elite, like at the top, top level of college quarterbacks, but I think he is one of the better, uh, one of the best. And I do think that um, he can he can tear up that secondary if he wants to. For I don't know if he will. His first year, he's really good. Exactly. Um, Agreed. His, Agreed. For his first year starting. I think part of it is – so it's funny to me because Kirby Smart is uh, – Kirby Smart and Dan Mullen have given uh, – have given uh, Nick Saban more trouble than anyone in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. No, neither of which have beaten it, beaten him. Um, right. But this was probably Nick Saban's worst team amongst those times he's faced Kirby Smart, and this mm-hmm. was his biggest win. Yeah, all those other games have been really close. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and those were better Alabama teams, and I'd argue worse Georgia teams. This one, it wasn't close after like the second quarter, like mm-hmm. in the second. And part of it is, I saw this greatly said, is that Stetson Bennett was not the reason that F- Georgia was losing. Right. It started to lose. That was a defensive problem. Mm-hmm. But Stetson Bennett was the reason after they got down by two scores that the game was over. 
Yeah, I agree. He could but, not. He was not the guy to be able to. He is not the guy, in my opinion, to be able to lead a comeback of that magnitude. And yeah. we've said it for a long time. Like the the law offices of Stetson Bennett the Fourth, they're great for you know if you you got a fender bender. I don't know if they're great if you're down twenty one points in the SC championship game. Yeah, you know. Which and that's the thing. It this game really comes down. It's so terrible to say, but like this game came down to a defensive issue for Georgia, mm-hmm. like. Because if if Georgia's defense keeps him in the game, I think Stetson Bennett can win this game. Because, I mean, if it's just a one-score game and it's just about drives, like I think Stetson Bennett has enough of a mastery of the offense the way it's run Mm -hmm. um, to work that. But it's like he did he did throw a couple picks that were bad. I want to I want to clarify. Like he 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 did not have his great game, right? But the the one of the problems is the fact that like Georgia's given up like sixty-nine yard touchdowns. And which they don't do, but right. again, they have not faced anyone remotely as close to as talented as Alabama on offense. So like, then, so do you think that this game kind of taints that Georgia defense legacy that we've been building this season? Going into this game, Tyler, they allowed less than a touchdown per game. That's unheard of as a defense. Yes and no, because I think it just reveals once again what the deal is with Georgia. And I always mm-hmm. forget it, but like I have to remind myself is that like Georgia. Georgia's defense will absolutely shut out team, any team that does not have an elite ha, does not have elite wide receivers and an elite passing attack. Okay, but if you have an elite passing attack, they they can't do anything about that. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that they can't defend that, but it's like because we watch 90 percent of teams in college football, and this is not this isn't even, this isn't a bad thing. This is just the way it is. 90 percent of teams in college football don't have elite passing attacks. They don't have elite wide receivers. They don't have elite quarterbacks. Like, mm-hmm. um. They don't have the talent to match up with Georgia's secondary. So you watch them and you think, oh, they are incapable. They can't be beat this way. Mm-hmm. And then you get somebody that matches the playing field. And it just it just means that there is a threshold of wide receiver talent and a threshold of quarterback talent you have to have to beat Georgia. So then and the problem is most teams don't have that. So you think they're unbeatable 12 games into the season until right. they meet the one team that hits that threshold. Right. Okay, so then with that in mind, because I still think this is a fantastic defense, but that's a great way to put it in perspective. With that in mind, how like how much heat is on Kirby Smart? I know we're talking about a team that went undefeated in the regular season and lost in the championship game to the greatest college football coach of all time. I'm aware that this is the, the okay. world we're living in. But what does that what does it say about Kirby? Because he keeps running out these he keeps running out these offenses that we've heard it so many times. Like it's going to change. It's going to change. It's going to change. And no matter what he does or who he puts in there, the offense still stays stagnant to a point where they can't keep up with these, uh, with these other offenses that can torch them in the secondary. Because if you're going to play that way, right? Like Mm -hmm. 2020 Florida, right? Defense, not really good, but the offense could keep up. Georgia's kind of the opposite defense. Really good. Offense can't keep up. One of those is going to keep you in a game, the one that scores you points. The other one is going to result in a blowout like this one. How much is that on Kirby Smart? How much do we well, – because look, yeah. if, if we go into this – if we end this season and Georgia finishes this season without an SC championship game and without a national championship after all of the hype from this season and being number one for so long – again. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't trying this to be petty. This is not the first time this has happened. We'd like right. to believe no. it is. This is not the first time this has happened. You're right. So so what is what is this? Because there was there's always been this joke of Georgia's just or Kirby Smart's just a better 
Mark Richt, but a Mark Richt at the end of the day. Like, what does this say about Georgia? Like, I mean, just genuine under question. no circumstances should Kirby Smart get fired for this. Like, I'm not even saying that as a Florida Agreed. fan. Like, no, no, yeah, Kirby no, Smart no, is one of the best coaches in the country. It, like, it's just. But is he like, one of the best coaches or is he one of the best recruiters? Because well, he's for sure one of the best recruiters, and that's a right. huge part of success in college football. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the best defensive minds, one of the best recruiters, but I don't know if you can call him the best head coach because he doesn't win big games. Like, yeah. Now, in fairness, it's that weird thing where he's not often in big games because he's so much better than most of the teams that their team is so much better than most of the teams that they face. That right. What would be big games for normal programs aren't big games for them. They blow those teams out. Like, yeah. So it's I don't know. It's tough because. I don't know. I don't know if you can even really think about it with Kirby Smart. It's a matter of like he would have probably two national championships by now if Nick mm-hmm. Saban didn't exist. And you could say that about a lot of people. Like, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. But he's like a big one, and I think it's one of those things where he. <laughs> it sounds stupid, but like Kirby Smart might just have to get lucky one day. And yeah, there was one season he made it to the SEC championship, and he didn't face Nick Saban. But he all, but that was the year he faced the most, uh, the best passing attack we've ever seen in college football. Right. So yeah, no, you're right. I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is because yeah. like, it's one of those things where if you're a Georgia fan, how long can you keep letting this happen? But also with the knowledge that who else out there is going to get you in this situation every single year? Like, yeah. There I would much listen one ever since Kirby Smart's second year, there has been one year. They have not made it to the SC championship last year. Yeah. Yeah. It's with pretty the, good. With, yeah. Like pretty good, man. Pretty good. That, that's yeah. All right. I wish Let's, I had a better answer for this. It's just that it's more of you're waiting for Kirby Smart to change the narrative and the narrative. He continues to not. And I don't know if yeah. that's as much his fault. This is the fact that he just Nick Saban is the goat. Like, yeah, no, it, it, it's like, difficult. It's Nick difficult. Saban just puts every, every one of these years. Nick Saban comes out. It's like, oh, y'all fell in love with Kirby Smart's team. I'll remind you who the best coach in the country is. By it's the like way. it's like um, in the NBA when like during Jordan's apex, there's so many good players that never won a championship. But just because Jordan was out there doing his thing, that doesn't mean they're bad players. Charles Barkley was a fantastic NBA player. Doesn't mean that he's bad because he couldn't win a title. He just played at the same time as the greatest of all time. You know what I mean? This yeah. happens. This happens. So, but let's move on. We got some more stuff to talk about. Um, Michigan is two. They played in the uh, Big Ten title game. Absolutely they absolutely dominated. Absolutely forty-two to three over Iowa. We both got the points on that one. We both picked Michigan. Um, this is this Michigan win and this Michigan conference championship and their playoff appearance. Is this everything just like they just got lucky this year because of all the other stuff that went around? Or is this proof that giving someone time and patience, having patience, will pay off eventually? Or neither? I, like, is, uh, you know I what think, I mean? I mean, I think I don't like the phrasing. I think it's the second one, but I don't like the phrasing. Because okay. I don't like just saying, giving someone time and patience because it's not about giving someone time. It's about giving a certain person time and patience. Okay. This proves that Jim Harbaugh with time and patience can do it. It's that whole thing we talked about that Bamani Jones says where it's just like, Oh, Spurrier proved that you can win at South Carolina. No, Spurrier proved that he could win at South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Um, Jim Harbaugh has proved that he can make this happen with patience. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I don't think this was luck because Ohio State is good this year. Yeah, Um, Yeah, they are good. Luck, it being lucky, is they had a good team when Ohio State had a bad year. 
And right. yeah, Ohio State went at 10 and 2. Oh no. <laughs> like, it's like that's still an, they're still an amazing team that mm-hmm. they they whooped up on. Um and they had what what was the one game that they lost the Michigan State game? Yeah. A, turns out Michigan State's a, a good team. Game. Like, mm-hmm. um, it turns out it, they're a good team. They're they finished tenth in the in yeah. the final playoff rankings. They're a good team, and it's just it. Tur- I don't think it was luck. I think this team is just really good. This is this is a common. We talk about this a lot. This was the thing with um, it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. It's in the, the, the whole Dan Mullen thing where it's just like you're building a team so that every three four years you have a contender, and you don't want that. You want it to be contender every year, but like right realist. Now there's there's a thing with like um. Well, with like Kirby Smart's second year, that was the Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle, and you had your freshman quarterback who was really good, and you had pretty good wide receivers. Like it all came together, mm-hmm. and sim- and just like there are some years where it all comes together, mm-hmm. and this is just one of those Michigan years. They had a quarterback they can actually trust, um, and Cade McNamara, who's actually pretty good, and they, they have a five star real- behind him that comes in for packages and JJ McCarthy. Yeah, they've got really good running backs. They've got a good O-line. Um, the one they're thing deep- they're missing is wide receivers, and it's only because their stud wide receiver, whose name is escaping me right now, hurt his, uh, got hurt and was done for the season in the first game of the year. Imagine if they also had the ability to do the play action yeah. and go over the top. Imagine. So they they don't good. have a terrible passing attack. It's just that it's a very standard passing attack, mm-hmm. and I don't mean that as bad. I really got to right. clarify. Like That doesn't mean it's bad. Georgia mm-hmm. has a standard passing attack. Um like, but they don't have like a speed element. This is just a really good team. This is a really yeah. good college football team. And it proves that Jim Harbaugh, because the whole thing is that we didn't think Jim Harbaugh could, could ever do it. Right. Because I didn't think he had this in him after he failed so much before. This is like his breakthrough for Kirby Smart. Yeah, um, that's true. That's true. But good. Good on him. Good on them. Good on Michigan. A, I, I just don't think that it's a blanket thing you can cover over every coach. Like, Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, good point. Good point. Just works for him. Yeah. Um, all righty. Next up, we talked about Georgia. Uh, Cincinnati, 13-0, the American champions. They played against Houston in the American championship game, and they won 35-20. to We we both get points on that one, but you get two because that was your two-pointer. So I get one point, and you get two points. Um, but you, listen, this was a close game in the first half, and then Cincinnati in like the first eight minutes of the second half was like, all right, we're going to play like we're the fourth-best team in the country and going to the playoff, and they dominated. And then from there, it was just very difficult for Houston to get back in. I would say credit to Dana Holgerson in Houston because they played really well in that first half. Um, and yeah, man, listen, the story was so long as they take care of business, they have a legitimate shot and they needed some help. And we'll talk about the help in a bit. Um, but uh, congrats to Cincy, man. I'm just very they excited for I this. Mean, like, they, they could have lost at any point this season and ruined it for themselves. Mm-hmm. As much as the this is the thing, as much as it's stacked against them, mm-hmm. they did take care of their own business. Yeah, I, I do want to address the the Kirk Herbstreit tweet uh, specifically because he he had a tweet I want to say yesterday or the day before, um, and he said this on the broadcast on Sunday where he kind of was joking around about like, see, everyone says it's impossible for a group of five team. Look at it, they made it. Oh my gosh, what are they going to complain about now? And Chris and uh, Reese Davis kind of pushed back at him. He was like, well, there kind of was a glass ceiling, and he's like, yeah, but they made it. Whatever. He goes, yeah, but they broke the glass ceiling. Like that's what that means. That you know they they finally did it. Um, it wasn't it? Doesn't prove that they always could have done it. It just proves that now they can do it. Exactly. Like, the the Chris Kerbstreit attitude right now is very much like, see if they, like it's not hard for them to do it. They just have to you know be like the rest of the best teams in the country. And it's like, yeah, but and I want to go through this right now. 
Cincinnati not only had to go undefeated this year, they had to go 12 and 13. They lost one game last year. year, So they've lost one football game in two seasons. um, And it was to Georgia in a bowl game by three in the New Year's six. So it's not like it was just any bowl game. Um, And they needed they needed to somehow hope and pray to God. And I mentioned that Notre Dame came in at fifth in the rankings because they had to schedule ahead of time. Um, and hope and pray that it was the fifth team, like literally the next yeah, no, ranked team. There's no better they, team they could have delivered the one loss to. Exactly. And it was on the road in Notre Dame. It was a number five team in the country. They needed Notre Dame to then beat win every single one of their other games, right? They needed them to which go to only which they did. And they needed three power five conference champions to each have two losses. There's uh, yeah. a whole lot of qualifiers in the way since he this year that Florida was bad this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because Florida's typically up in the like taking a top ten spot in the last yeah, couple years, it just wasn't this year. Mm-hmm. Ohio State didn't even play in their conference championship. Oklahoma Auburn didn't was down. Even play in their conference championship. Auburn was bad at the end of the year because Bo Nix got mm-hmm. hurt. A and M lost four games. LSU Oregon was nowhere to be seen. Their, Oregon fumbled the bag on their own. Mm-hmm. Not, like because they because they faced Utah twice. God forbid, um, <laughs> and lost to Stanford. And lost stamp after like, going on the road and beating Ohio Oregon, State in the horseshoe. Oregon, base, Oregon beat Ohio State and was basically like, all right, you could just cruise to the playoff. And they lost uh, three more games after that. Exactly. Um, so they Oregon fumbled the bag. Ohio State uh, didn't even play in their conference championship. So was guys, it, oh, actually, wait, wait, okay, can I can I pause you? Ohio State lost to Michigan this year. That's how crazy things had to happen. <laughs> yes, like like come on, like they and on Michigan, top of all Michigan this, is uh huh uh huh. If Spencer Sanders just gets the ball in the end zone <laughs> one more time, yeah, Ohio State is probably the four. Like, exactly. So let's let's pivot there, and we'll, we'll continue the conversation in the Big Twelve title game. Baylor won twenty-one to sixteen. We both picked Oklahoma Baylor State. Baylor had to beat Oklahoma State with a backup quarterback. We both picked Oklahoma State. Neither one of us gets the points. Um, Baylor ends up finishing the season at number seven in the rankings. Oklahoma State at number nine. Um, but like. They Oklahoma State had the ball with a minute and 30, minute 40 left in the game. First and goal from the two-yard line, and they didn't score. It, I don't know how much happened. That's when yes. you, that, that stand had to happen for Cincinnati to have a shot. And, and even then, we were concerned because if Oklahoma State won and if Alabama won the way that they won in a dominant fashion, your top four was going to be Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, Oklahoma State. Because it would have been a one-loss Big 12 team. We know what the committee does. We've had the history. They would have put Cincy at five and and Notre Dame at six. And they would have said, oh, you know, oh, well. So many things needed to happen for this guy. I know. And – so yeah, that's my it, pushback on Kirk. I, I respect Kirk Herbstreit. No, I'm with I think you. I'm he's with you. Like, fantastic. He knows what he's talking about in that sense. But in, in here in this situation, he's got his Power 5 goggles on. He's got his yeah. P5 bias on right now. Um, and I hope he can see why so many people are thinking I, I mean, like, thinking the listeners of this podcast know this about me. Like, of the two people here, I'm the more P5 biased person. But you can't sit mm-hmm. here and tell me that, right. like, that it was always open to yeah, these teams. No. Because, No. no. It, it was the thing so. we always talk about. It. UCF is going to get screwed, but they paved the way for Cincinnati to get in. Oh yeah, UCF walked so that Cincy could run. Yeah, let's be so. real. 2017 UCF, and now they're both so going to Big Twelve. So and now they're both going to Big Twelve. So there you go. Um, so that yeah, those that that's the top four. Um, sporadically, we mentioned other teams just to highlight conference champions that are ranked. Utah's at 11. Pitt is at 12. 
Um, and uh, Tyler, we won a conference championship this weekend. Did you know that? Did you know that we won a we won a conference title this week? Who's we? We we uh, fans of Billy Napier, oh, my yeah, head coach. My head coach won a conference my championship. My head coach won a conference championship. It oh, wasn't yeah. for In- my team, but my <laughs> head coach. <laughs> no, in the Sun Belt, we had App State 16, Louisiana 24. We both picked the uh, Louisiana there. We both get the points. They finished, Louisiana does, ranked 23rd uh, at 12 and 1. Um, the rest of the uh, Conference USA, I'm sorry, rest of the five wide games championship edition, Western Kentucky 41, UTSA 49. I picked the Roadrunners, Meep Meep. I get the point on that one. Um, Stupid. <laughs> in the Pac-12, uh, Utah 38, Oregon 12, 10. Uh-huh, bud. Bailey Zapp said, "Oh, no more fantasy football." Okay, now I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna win. <laughs> no, no, no. By the way, did you see that the offensive coordinator for Western Kentucky is now at Texas Tech? I believe that's a good hire for them. And you know who's in on Texas Tech now because of that? Who from the transfer portal? Quarterback <laughs> Quinn. Quarterback. Uh, Ooh, Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers. He, Quinn Ewers, ladies and gentlemen, for those that, um, and I forgive you for not remembering this, he was the five star that was originally in the 2022 class that reclassified to 2021 because he got a million dollars in NIL to, and he went to Ohio State and rolled early. Basically, just learned, was in the quarterback room all year, blah, 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 is now transferring out. Um, is heavily rumored with Texas Tech. Texas apparently he wants to play in the state of Texas. That's where he's from. And apparently a lot of 2022 commits who are his original class, right? Because he reclassified, uh, want to play with him. And apparently he's close with that coordinator that went from Houston Baptist to Western Kentucky and is now at Texas Tech. If Texas Tech can land Quinn Ewers and he doesn't go to Texas, I think Austin might burn to the ground. <laughs> 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 it, it could be a, it could be a possibility i'm not gonna lie oh boy that'd be hilarious so <laughs> lots of interesting things going on there uh in the pack 12 oregon 10 utah 38 i get the points i picked utah uh again this was just uh, this was just a copy paste from the same the game they had three weeks ago a month ago it's crazy it's the exact same score it's the same score and it's the same game it went the same way there again. was never a doubt yeah I have more questions now than I did before about Marty Cristobal's coaching ability because like right. he beat Ohio State, which I mean, even though it's not the greatest Ohio State team in the world this year, they beat Ohio State. And Ryan Day is a good coach, and that was a good team. And CJ Stroud is a good quarterback. Yeah. Their defense is a problem, but you know, Ryan Day hired Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State for that. So Ryan Day heard us all talking smack. He um, did. He really did. Uh ruthlessness. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's <laughs> I lost track of what I was saying. Um, it, you were talking about how it's the exact same game. You oh, have yeah, coaching no, it's concerns. It's that Oregon completely fumbled the bag this season. Yeah. Like um, <laughs> It all goes back to Oregon fumbling. No one was in their way after they beat Ohio State, and mm-hmm. they lost three times. And I'll forgive the Stanford loss. I really will because that mm-hmm. was the flukiest thing. That is the definition of a fluke. Like, yeah, um, right. But so, geez, you've got yeah, man. blown out by Kyle Whittingham twice. Kyle Whittingham's a great coach, but like, he is. geez. Hey, man, this Utah team heads to Gainesville for their first game of the season next oh, year. Boy. It's Billy Napier's first game as Florida oh, coach. Geez. And let me tell you right now, that Utah team is pretty young. Not going to be a lot of starters leaving. Sorry. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. We're going to keep going. Also not very good. Um, <laughs> Hey, uh, the hey, big hey, twelve. I'm uh-huh. a big. I'm a big. Just last thing. I mean, like, I'm a big believer in the in the in the you know in the jump start that a new coach gives. I mean, Mullen did it. 
Yeah, like, true. To very go four true. and seventeen to ten and three. So very true. Very true. Um, all righty. Then we had the Big Twelve game. We talked about that already. Um, the MAC, Northern Illinois forty-one, Kent State twenty-three. I get the point on that one, and it's purely by chance because I didn't watch a second of MAC football this year. And I'm gonna tell you, I kept with my tradition, and I didn't watch a second of this game either. So I got yeah, nothing no. to say here, Tyler. <laughs> I don't either. We then have the Mountain West, Utah State forty-six, San Diego State thirteen. Um, none of us picked that because we went with the magical punter, uh, Matariza, but unfortunately did not go that way. Utah state wins a conference. Good for them. Happy for them. Um, Sunbelt. We, we mentioned briefly, um, the sec, we talked about in depth, the American, we talked about Cincinnati, uh, the big 10, we talked about Michigan winning. Um, and then the ACC pit 45 wake 21. I picked pit. So I get the points on that one. I actually get two points. Eisman on that one. finalist Kenny Pickett, by the way, I do because I ended up doubling down Man, on him. Marino I can never, Okay, so anyway, um, <laughs> all right. So this game was a blowout. This game was was fun on offense, but it was clearly pit. The one thing that came out of this game, like big time, I need your opinion on the fake okay. slide. The fake slide. I need, right. I need I, the fake I slide. I have two opinions about this. Give it to me. Let's talk about the individual play itself. Let's talk about this play underlines the greatness of Kenny Pickett. Like, Absolutely. It was possibly the single greatest play I think I've ever seen. <laughs> it was so clean. And he got an extra like 30 yards out of that. Mm-hmm. So on like a watching it, I was like, that's amazing. Like love Kenny Pickett. Love he did that. I didn't even gets, know that was gets, possible. If I tried that, Tyler. Because I've never seen that before. Like, well, if I tried that, like I, I don't know if I would be able to like maintain my center of gravity to the point where I, I – commit to I would a point fall down on my knee yeah or no i would fall like I, I i can't do it so i agree with you from an impressiveness perspective yeah. that was dope that was incredible well, so so here's the thing i loved that play i loved watching it thought it was really cool and i do but on the flip side i do agree that that should be kind of a thing taken out of the game Agreed. now i think people are getting a little too up in arms about it because hey guess what this is the first time that's ever happened. Um, <laughs> we haven't yeah. seen that at the NFL level either. Literally, like, literally. no one else has ever seen do that. And and in the NFL, you can like slide down and get back up if you haven't been touched. So right. like, I mean, like I just like stop acting like this is an epidemic. Now I do agree <laughs> they should make steps against this because we we punish players so much, and we probably should mm-hmm. for hitting a sliding person, even when it's yeah. just like a light tap. There mm-hmm. is like a hold your breath moment because even when the player's not injured, they'll get flags. And that's – we already have so much of that. You cannot allow a quarterback to manipulate that to his own game because then what are you telling defenders? Well, that's the thing. Just the game let a quarterback is, run free. Yeah. So the game is so skewed towards the offense in a safety way that I agree with. I do too. Um, that we can't we can't do that to the defensive players, man. Because because you watch the wake players. The wake players like all stop for a second because they see him going to slide. They do as they're taught. And then he just kind of fakes it and keeps going. Like that that sucks, man. So, I, and honestly, I expect a rule to be passed uh, in the offseason. They it will, will be. But, but in a in a, in a vacuum, that was really cool. What's the thing? I'm just like every stop getting as up in arms about it because it's not like mm-hmm. this is not an epidemic. I've only ever seen one in all of my almost professional football watching. Kenny Pickett is the only person I've ever seen do that. Again, Dan Marino could never. Um <laughs> Well, of course he could never. He's like 50-something now. Um, there we go. There it is. Nice comeback. <laughs> All right, Tyler. Um, I tallied up everything. 
the final score for our five wide and two point competition is Tyler 52, Sergio 64. Could you do me a favor? I know you're not a fan of rundowns, but could you just glance over to the rundown and read what's written in the bold and no, then also yeah, the no, subheading I, I there, please? I did see this earlier, and I could, will could say you, Could you read? Could you read? Oh, so you do read the rundowns. I do. You do look at the rundowns. <laughs> y'all, y'all, my, my, I'm pivoting to y'all, y'all do math. Y'all count. <laughs> Is 64 higher than 52? I thought 52. I thought this was golf. I thought you were supposed to get lower. Uh-huh. Tyler, I have highlighted the section right, I would like right. for you to read. Now I'm going to read it. Jesus. Okay. Awesome. Oh, there you go. Please go ahead. Sergio de la Spreya wins the 2021 five wide and two point conversion competition. He is better at picking regular season college football games than Tyler Christian Williams. And you know what? To solidify it, I'm going to go to my Twitter bio right now. Oh, yeah. And I am going to edit Could my you, bio. Hold on, no, no, don't do that. Screen record. I, I, I'm going to start. Screen being, record. Nope, that is the wrong button. I'm mm-hmm. going to start a screen record. All right. We're recording. I'm going to mm-hmm. edit profile. Diddy won't stop texting me. So that's going to be in there too. <laughs> um, better at picking. Take that out, my friend. My phone is freaking out. There we go. Better at picking bowl games and brackets than Sergio de las Prias because I still got that going for me. That's fine. You'll have bowl games for like a, another month or so because then I'll beat you. Because that's actually the perfect transition, Tyler. A perfect segue, if you will. <laughs> because next week we Rock will be back. Smack. Uh- <laughs> next week we will be back uh, with our annual bowl pick'em extravaganza episode. Um, we pick every single bowl game. I will say, Tyler, we are going to exclude one bowl game this season. Um, it is the Barstool Sports Bowl, which I refuse to acknowledge. I'm not. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't my, our, my apologies either. to Boise State, and I don't know the other team that's Boise playing. Boise State in wasn't here. good this year. What are you talking about? <laughs> my, my apologies to those fan bases. We will not be talking about that game because I refuse. I will not be watching I don't it. Like Barstool. I exactly. I refuse to do it. So every other game um, will be talked about will be reviewed including the playoff um including the potential national championship game um obviously we'll have a more in-depth uh conversation about the natty as we get closer to it um after we just know who's playing in the natty um but we will talk about every single bowl game next week and then also i will be having um a special episode drop next week at some point i don't know when um but i will be interviewing an old high school friend of mine i went i went to two of my three high schools with him uh, yes, keep up. Uh, he His name is Carter Jacobs. He played football at both Archbishop McCarthy and American Heritage. Um, he won a state championship our senior year at American Heritage. Um, he's in that same recruiting class as Sonny Michelle and Isaiah McKenzie um, and those guys. He played defensive back at Cincinnati. And so I'm going to talk to him about what Cincinnati means to him, um, what the playoff appearance means to the program, um, what the program is like and all that kind of stuff. So that will also be dropping next week uh tyler i think that's oh one more thing tyler we don't need it this year as a tiebreaker but i do want to briefly talk about it we have army navy next this weekend oh yeah (laughs) we got army navy this weekend uh a game that we love every single year i personally am not a big fan of uh uh, how do i say this i'm not a big fan of the militarization of uh sports and the uh over over americana-ness of it i love this country i, I love america but i'm not um, a big fan of that but my one exception is army navy i love this game man this is just this is just college football tradition wrapped up in a little blanket and i can consume it and it's awesome yeah, me too. um 
Navy's, if you haven't keeping up with the service academies this year, Navy's bad. Army is good. Um, I think that this is going to be a very interesting game, and I'm excited. Do you have a specific pick? Because I'm going to go with uh, – it doesn't matter the order because we're not picking for points. I'm picking but Army. I am as well. I think Army is going to win this I'm game comfortably. Um, another great part about this game is that it always ends in like two hours and 45 minutes because it's two triple option teams. So this clock is going to move, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to move. Um, so that is this week, this Saturday um, on CBS. It is the CBS dun, 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 game of the week. Um, it is the only college football game on, and I re- highly recommend everyone watch it. It's always a good time. Um, good to see the troops out there as well. So, Tyler, uh, anything else you want to say before we sign off this episode? Um, you in the next week, I need friends, family, anyone who's listening to this, please talk. I know because I. I just did a whole thing about how you have to have a certain threshold of wide receiver talent to beat Georgia football. I need you all to talk me off the ledge from considering Michigan. All right. Cause <laughs> like I, I yeah, clearly full bias here, mm-hmm. big hater of the Georgia Bulldogs in case what? you couldn't tell. No um, way. I'd explain this to my, my friend from Florida state was uh, uh, visiting uh, LA mm-hmm. this weekend. And I was explaining to him, I was just like, I just want Georgia to lose. And he's like, but if you want Georgia to not win a national championship, don't you want this, that? And then I'm like, no, I want Georgia <laughs> to lose. Like, like it doesn't yeah. matter what it is. Um, yeah, just, just have them lose. I so was talking, I to, I was talking to Kevin not Borba. Let me, not, not let me think that Michigan's going to win because yeah. Michigan, I don't think they match, They play the same style. Georgia's better at it. So I'm not yeah. – I continue. I, uh, I was talking to Kevin Borba. We were recording the tailgaters earlier this week. And I was going to use the word hate. And I went, oh, you know, hate's a strong word. My my mom told me not to use it growing up. I only hate two programs and it's Georgia and Florida State. And he was like, I thought you were going to say Florida State first. And I went, oh, oh, no, no, no. I dislike Florida. I hate Florida State, but they're more like little brother. Georgia, I, I want to manhandle and strangle. They're the I, enemy. I, they are the enemy. They are the enemy. Exactly. Um, oh, yeah. wait, a couple more things before we go. I, for, I forgot. These are just out there. Number one, I'd like to say uh, have a quick moment of silence, Tyler, and I'll tell you why afterwards. Quick moment of silence. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, that's because the Hard Rock Sportsbook has ceased operations in the state of Florida. Um, <sighs> yeah, I have to. I had to go back into the drawers, dust some stuff. I had to dust off my allegedly's, so they're now my allegedly's are now back into my vocabulary. Um, yeah, my allegedly's are back. Tyler is like openly laughing <laughs> he's he's not even looking at me he's just laying back on his couch um i have to use the allegedly's again i don't want to talk about it it's emotional um how did this I, happen? I hurt. <laughs> so apparently apparently like the pact that um uh the florida governor whose name i who, uh, ron DeSantis, who i don't like um i'm pretty liberal for those who <laughs> didn't pick up on that i'm also um, pretty liberal yeah um, yeah so uh, DeSantis, not a huge uh, fan. neither am I. Um, I'm a friend of my, I'm a f- fan of my friend Carson DeSantis, but no relation. So spelled differently. Okay. Just, I want to clarify that. <laughs> um, no, but, uh, apparently there was a pact between him and the Seminole tribe and that they signed it and it was good and awesome. But I guess like other sports books, like private, well, like a fan duel and a draft Kings and those types of sports books, I guess there's people that since they got the quote unquote exclusive contract, I guess that exclusivity is, isn't allowed it by federal law. So someone appealed it in a, a federal court and the federal judge found, yeah, no, you can't do that. You need to have like open competition, I guess, or whatever, even though Florida is a bit more different than other States because of the relationship with 
the Native American tribes that we have here. But, th- mm-hmm. but that's a whole other conversation. Um, I don't know if I agree with it or not, but whatever. Um, but that's the ruling the judge found. And so because of that, they don't want to get into like a legal problem in case, you know, they don't want to say, oh, we're, we don't respect the federal whatever. So they ceased operations temporarily. We'll see when it, if it, when it comes back. Um, but hey, look, I'm it. a big fan. If we get more competition, if I can use FanDuel and DraftKings and BetMGM and all those other things, allegedly, then, um, you know, I, I'm open for that. So it is. I can't believe is. he allegedly is back. He allegedly is back. And uh, what, all, what else is back is that I will um, I will not be saying any nice things about UCF in the coming um, in, oh, in the coming yeah. weeks. Because Florida and UCF are playing in the Gasparilla Bowl on December 23rd at 7 p.m. on ESPN. Um, I will be in attendance at that game, Tyler. Ooh. Uh, my girlfriend, Alexa, and I are driving up to Tampa. We're going to go to the game. I got tickets, Tyler, in the wait for it UCF section. I really hope you win for your sake, man. Uh, I hope so as well because uh, a friend of mine who's a UCF alumnus, uh, he got it through the UCF athletic department and he got like a group of like 12 tickets. And so I know for a fact I'm a Florida fan. My friend's brother and sister both went to Florida. So I, I know there'll be three of us in Gator gear. Nice. Um, I don't know how intense they are, but like I, I mean, I have, we have well, we have a college football podcast, so clearly, oh, I yeah, care. yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> look, Twitter, Florida, the state of Florida football, Twitter is going to be in. It's going to be one way or the other yeah. after this game. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I will like, be going to the like, game because it, it it really doesn't matter if UCF wins. Like, for no, the it doesn't. Term. None it doesn't of this matters. matter. No, but. If UCF wins, they're going to hold it over forever. And if uh, UF wins, I'm a laugh. Yeah, I'm a laugh I'm too. A laugh, so. like, I'm a laugh. I'm a celebrate is what I'll do I'm because a, I'm a laugh. I'll be. What's funny because I have two sisters that one currently goes to UCF and the right. other graduated from it, but they mm-hmm. don't care about football that much. Like they mm-hmm. like their teams, but like they. So like I'm not going to brag to them because they won't care, and they would right. if they win, they're going to be like awesome. And then, well, like here's the thing: Alexa cares. Alexa doesn't care about college football as a whole. She cares about UCF. And she especially cares about UCF when they're playing Florida because she knows how much I care about Florida football. So she was the one that said, are we going? And I was like, oh, I, I, you want to go? I didn't know. And then next thing you know, I'm in a group text with a few friends of mine that went to UCF. And yeah, it's, it's like, happening. cool, Venmo me this much. We're OK, it's happening. OK, so I'm going to the game. So I'm, I'm, I'm nice. excited for Represent it. Us um, well. I will do my best. I will be seeing um, our friend Ryan Urquhart. He will be there as well. Amazing. Ryan will be there. Uh, also, our friend Kelvy will be there. Uh, apparently, I guess they have a they have a tailgate that's gonna that's going. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop oh, by over there. Oh. I'm gonna be amongst my, my people I, I, for I'm a little bit. Severe FOMO right now. Yeah, I'm gonna be amongst my people for a little bit. I need that kind of before the game before I sit in the UCF section. You know what I mean? So yeah. So um, all right, that's it. That's all I had. That's just a little extra stuff at the end. Um, Tyler, we'll be back next week. Bowl pickums, bowl extravaganza. You know the deal. Um, Billy Napier, you keep doing your thing. Keep on cruiting. We believe in you. Um, yeah. Alrighty. So, uh, this has been, I guess we're wrapping it up. This has been another episode of Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And we're not biased, Tyler, but go Gators. Go Gators. Beat UCF. Beat UCF. And I was going to finish off with, as we should for the next few months, scare money don't make money, baby. Scare money don't make money.